Hello, my magical friends. My name's Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 172nd time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. We have some news, and I've watched some things, and then we'll get to today's topic. So let's get started. So first things first, actually, there are two things I wanted to mention up top before we get into regular Magical Girl news. The first thing is I'm going to watch Dancing Star Precure this upcoming week on Sunday the 29th. Of course, I am just dying with excitement. But more importantly, um, I found out something very interesting. So as an attendee, I can deliver letters to the actors of the performance. And as such, I've decided that I wanted to see if I could deliver not just my feelings, but also the support of international fans. And as such, I have created a Google form that you can fill out, uh, leaving messages for any of the main actors. I also put in an additional section in case anyone has messages for any other actors that I might need to deliver as well. And yeah, the intention is for me to print those all out on the Saturday before, just because I will be busy in between and can't do it on Sunday itself. And I will get those up in separate envelopes with everyone's names on them. And yeah, deliver both my support and all of yours, because I think it would be cool for them to see that even if they can't come physically to watch the performances, that many international fans are excited to view it. Speaking of which, we do know that there will be a live screening from the November 5th show of the production here in Japan. So I don't think that's going to mean anything as far as outside of Japan, unfortunately. But it does mean there will be at least one official recording. Um, It's pretty likely there will be a Blu-ray and DVD release after the fact, uh, once production is finished. So we'll just have to wait and see. In other news, for the actual podcast itself, the final episode of this season, season 7, so episode 175, is coming up in a few weeks. And to do things a little bit differently, I've decided to do something that I call Magical Girl Sommelier. So I've done something of this nature over on Precure Podcast Engaged a while back, and that was a lot of fun. And so my idea here is that uh, this is your time to kind of ask the expert, if you will, you know, as someone who knows a lot about, well, a lot of Magical Girl series and is, well, while not maybe like the expert of all time, um, at least more knowledgeable than the average person, <laughs> I wanted to offer almost like a service of um, being able to give advice and also have people ask my thoughts about certain aspects of the genre. So I've also created a Google form format for that. So you can submit your question. It can be as simple as asking what Magical Girl series to check out if you're interested in a particular thing or looking for a particular type of representation and so on. I'll do my best to answer as much as I can. I I won't be able to like perfectly answer every single question. I already know that at least one question I'm not going to necessarily have a satisfying answer for from what I've received so far. But I wanted to kind of offer that as a fun thing. So, you know, bring in your questions. It, you know, it could be as, as serious or 
or silly as you want, you know, just the more the merrier, right? <laughs> I don't want it to be a short episode anyway. But yeah, so that'll be to send off the seventh season, which is exciting that we've made it this far. So with that, we can move on to regular Magical Girl news. So there isn't a lot this week, but uh, we do have a new Magical Girl series that has started. It's called Magical Girl 201. This is a comic that is being published in Ultra Jump magazine. It has already kickstarted with the first two chapters being published this month. And it seems to be a story about a magical girl and a villain who are next door neighbors. I know this sounds very similar to the demon girl next door, but this is a lot more literally next door, um, where one girl lives in 201 and the other girl lives in 202. So yeah, I don't know a whole lot else about it. One of the characters definitely has a very sexy outfit, so just keep that in mind when you read the comic if you decide to check it out for yourself. But uh, otherwise, yeah, that's all I know. I will try to read it and see, see what happens. But yeah, so that's all for news. So let's move on to what I've been watching. So Soaring Sky Precure this week was a lot of fun, of course. An excellent, really interesting episode centering Tsubasa, our delightful, adorable little burb. It seems likely, perhaps, that this might end up being his final character-focused episode, because as of uh, this week, we are at episode 38, so there are only 10 more episodes left to go. I mean, there might be one, one more, but we're not really sure. And then with um, Osuna Precure, or Precure Full Bloom, our delicious little Yes Precure 5 sequel season, last episode was really delightful, a really, really great episode for fans of both Karen and Kurumi, and especially people who are fans of those two together. It was really, really cute. Certainly a lot of uh, critiques about the fact that we see the characters drinking every episode, and... It might seem unrealistic, I think, but for me, it does seem like an unfortunately accurate depiction of what adulthood can be like for a lot of Japanese people, so that is uh, something to consider. But yeah, and uh, next one, Shy, was super interesting as well. This series is continuing to be just really, really fun, really delightful, and really interesting. I just love all the characters, I mean, especially Teddy herself, Shy. Uh, she's very sweet, but her new kind of best friend was very fun to watch as well this episode. And yeah, I'm just like really enjoying this series and can't wait to see where it goes. Um, I could read the comic and find out for myself, but I'm deciding not to do that. So with that, that's all I have been watching and reading in the genre. So let's move on to today's topic. So I am super excited about today because we are getting into the first half of Watcha Primaji, which is the the end of the pretty series as of the kind of main string of series and seasons of this particular franchise, which lasted 11 years. This was the final season. There was such a distinct and clear cutoff with this series that it made sense to just talk about it in halves. And so for this episode, you have to watch all the way up to episode 24 in order to be not spoiled by the discussion itself. But 
it was a delight to get into. And this is the only season of the Pretty Series that everyone agrees is a magical girl show. There's actually a very interesting notion in this series where the public at large on Earth are not aware of magic and don't think what's happening is magic, but everyone behind the scenes knows that it is magic. And it makes me think, is that what they're trying to say about the rest of the Pretty Series? Because... Yeah, it's just like very clearly magic to me. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. So in order to talk about this series, I ended up bringing on a new person. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, we have Rosie Gaga today. Rosie Gaga is a delightful, very talented cosplayer and a lot of fun to chat with. And um, yeah, I think that she is definitely worth a follow because her cosplay is fantastic. You've probably, if you are... Um, a Precure fan, you've probably seen her really intricate Cure La Mer cosplay that she has done in, I think, most recently. Um, but yeah, she was super fun to chat with, so I don't think there's anything else I have to say in that regard. And luckily, as far as the first half of the show goes, there isn't really a lot to warn against either, except for a little bit of cultural insensitivity. But... Otherwise, I think we are all set. So, yes, with that, please sit back and relax and enjoy this chat with Rosie Gaga about the first half of Watcha Primaji. Okay, so we are here today to talk about the first half of Watcha Primaji from 2021, and I'm very excited for our new guest today. Can you please introduce yourself? Yes, hello. Hi, I'm Rosie. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I'm from California, and I'm a longtime cosplayer, a toy collector, and just general magical girl enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, really happy to have you on. I love your cosplay, of course. It's it's so great and um, so, um, so detailed. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so I guess before we get started here, Rosie, what is your history and relationship to the magical girl genre? Um, so I, you know, born and raised in California, kind of near the Bay Area. So like most people from here and from the United States, Sailor Moon was my first introduction to like, you know, magical girls and anime before I knew what any of that was. Mm -hmm. So as a kid into Sailor Moon, Power Rangers, Pokemon, and then later on started watching more like Dragon Ball Z and whatever was airing on TV. But then in middle school, one of my friends was super into like anime, Final Fantasy, all of that. And she got me into that. And so we became just totally obsessed, hooked. So I was like, oh, my God, I love all of this. Started rewatching Sailor Moon. Like, oh, I remember this from a, being a kid. And then that's when I found cosplay, too. So I started going to conventions in 2004 and cosplaying. Hmm. You know, at that point, I was in middle school. I was already way obsessed with anime, whatever I could get my hands on. One of the 99 cent stores in my town, my small town, had like these VHS tapes of Sailor Moon, like random episodes. I don't know why they had them there. So I remember getting those and be like, oh, my gosh, I own a Sailor Moon VHS tape. This is so cool. But yeah, that's how I first got into it. And then I cosplayed like from Tokyo Mew Mew, Mermaid Melody, of course, a bunch of Sailor Moon costumes. So it's just been hooked ever since. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And I guess, what is your relationship to Magical Girls like uh, these days? I would say more recently, 
back in uh, Anime Expo 2015, they were doing putting together a Pretty Cure cosplay army. They were trying to get as many cosplayers together as they could from Pretty Cure. So mm. like from all the series up until that point, all the characters. And um, last minute, I was going to Anime Expo. That's the only one I've ever been to. And so I was like, I want to join this. I want to do it just to like do something fun. And I had seen at that point, I saw Yes 5 Go Go already. Well, Yes 5 and Yes Go Go. And that's the characters that were they were looking for. So I'm like, oh, perfect. This is the one Pretty Cure that I like really know. So let me see if I can throw a costume together. So I was Cure Mint. And yeah, I made the costume like so last minute. <laughs> but I got to be part of that group. And like there was so I don't remember how many of us were total like 50 something. Wow. It's a huge group like the picture. It looks crazy. And it's so rainbowy. It's amazing. And like, um, not to be so cheesy. But yeah, I was like, well, Magic Girl Girl. Well, probably what it feels like, like everyone was so friendly and some of the girls wrote notes, some of them gave gifts to everybody and we're all like fawning over each other's costumes. And it was just so sweet, like the best cosplay gathering experience I've ever had. So after that, I was like, okay, Pretty Cure, like this is amazing. Everybody who likes it is like so sweet and nice and it's magical. So yes, I love this series. So after that, like I got kind of more into it. And then recently, now that they've been like simulcasting stuff on Crunchyroll, I've been able to keep up with like the more recent series of Pretty Cure. And then from there, being into that, that's how I kind of find out more about like the other Pretty, well, Pretty Cure series and Pretty Series Magical Girl adjacent stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just kind of went on there. Actually, the first way I heard of Pretty Series itself was through Tamagotchis because I actually collect Tamagotchis uh -huh. and they came out with the Tamagotchis peas in the early 2010s and it has like these little um, they're called pierces it's like a button or a charm that you connect into the device to get more like characters and items and they had one of Prepara and so I had seen that but I'd never watched it but that's how I was first like introduced to it I was like okay it's like a dress up show like okay cool so later on, when I came across it on, I think it was just YouTube, I just saw it. I'm like, oh, I know that kind of from Tamagotchi. And now that I like Pretty Cure, you know, I'll probably like this too. So I got into it and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Why haven't I seen this sooner? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, um, I haven't actually gotten to watch Prepara specifically yet, but I'm pretty confident I will enjoy it when I do watch it, um, of course. But yeah, it's really interesting to see because it is kind of this rival to Pretty Cure in a lot of ways. Like, it's like, you know, a little bit more complicated because the target audience is more vast than for Pretty Cure. So the kind of like comparison in terms of like toy sales and stuff is not exactly comparable. Um, their main thing is really more the arcade games than anything else. But yeah, it's a really, really, you know, just generally like a plus with all the the character designs and and transformations and so on so it's pretty fun but yeah yes. <laughs> great and are there any other like magical girl franchises that you're into these days other than like pre-gear and pretty series um everything <laughs> yeah right now pretty cure and pretty series which whenever i talk to my husband about them he's like wait which one are you talking about because i'm like okay they both have pretty i know it's confusing but I mainly watch those, but right now I have two little kids, so it is kind of hard to watch stuff. And I'm trying to get them into Pretty Cure because I'm like, oh, you know, this is perfect. Like, they're little girls. This is like the demographic. Mm -hmm. But I think because it is in Japanese, you know, it's hard for me to just be narrating it. I think they get kind of bored. So they're like, meh. But, um, you know, when there's like the music and dancing or transformations, then they kind of pay attention a little bit, but they're not into it yet. So I maybe see, in a I few see. years. And how old are your kids? Oh, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. She'll uh, be five soon. Okay, so. okay. So that's why I'm like, maybe later on they'll like it. Mm -hmm. But as far as like other shows, I'm trying to think the last like 
other magical girl series that I watched besides these, but I can't even think of it right now. These have been occupying my brain lately. <laughs> sure, sure. Maybe you need to give them some like magical girl shows in English. I know some people are like hesitant to show Glitter Force specifically, but like, for example, like Catch Teeny Ping, you can watch in English. And that's a Korean magical girl show. So maybe your kids will like that. Yeah, we do watch some episodes of that. Like they, ha they have enjoyed it. But then every time I go to Netflix to put it on, they're like, put on Trolls instead. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> well, hopefully you will get them hooked soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. So uh, getting more into Primaji. So as we mentioned, this is a part of the Pretty series. It says the... The kind of last part of the pretty series as um it when it finished airing in 2022 that was kind of the end of its like 11 year reign of of airing on tv unfortunately but so you know pretty series in itself like this includes pretty rhythm and prepara and kirata prichan a lot of these are you know like i guess the first i don't know decade or whatever these are all shows that people debate about whether or not they're magical girl series more in the west than in japan in japan they are generally considered magical girls like pretty definitively mm -hmm. but basically you know we have this uh, idol series where you know there are transformations of a of a, a magical sort the amount of magic kind of depends on the show but there is that kind of uh, idea of like another world and you have like fairy partners and stuff so you know it's generally like for me pretty easy to to see it them as as all magical girl shows but Basically, what we have with Watcha Primaji, this is the first time where they actually use the word magic, mm -hmm. though I should specify that magic is generally referred to as Maji throughout the show, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So we start off with our main character of Matsuri, who is, you know, just a, a normal junior high school student who is very interested in the world of Primajista, which is like the world of, of idols. She's not aware of any magic that's kind of generally not public knowledge that magic exists, but she had wanted to go and see if she could also become a an idol. Like there was, it was like a sign up day. So, you know, it was really exciting for her to try to, you know, fill out the form, like with the encouragement of her friends. And she meets Miyamu, who is this just gremlin of a little girl who runs around <laughs> saying she can use magic but she's kind of acting a little bit weird and also she can turn into a cat on occasion <laughs> so you know we figure out she's from the magic world and so she really is a magic user who's a kind of not the best student so she's been getting into a bit of trouble and wants to stay in the human world for that reason um <laughs> but uh, they work together and they become magista together so basically in this world every idol needs a partner a magical partner who helps them to perform and together they collect this energy known as watcha from all the fans you know, they're just their general excitement. And, mm -hmm. you know, with enough of it, they can perform illusions on stage as well as, um, you know, if they do well enough, then they can earn cards that give them future uh, outfits and, and, and different styles. So she gets her own and then um, she works with other Prima Gestas throughout the show. So the other main cast, we have uh, Hina, we have uh, Miruki and Lemon and Amane. Those are kind of the main five. And right now, the top star, the, the top Prima Gesta, who hasn't performed in a little while, is um, Jennifer. Jennifer Sumide Soul, who is, mm -hmm. you know, just like this 
incredibly fabulous like flawlessly you know just perfect diva <laughs> yeah seemingly so they, they are all trying to be like her or be better than her especially in Hina's case you know her goal is to to be even better than Jennifer ever was this first half of the show is just their various adventures um, trying to become really really good idols but yeah so uh, what is your history Rosie with uh, this show in particular not just like all of pretty series but with Watcha Primaji for Watcha Primaji I think basically since I had barely gotten into pretty series like within the within the last few years I caught wind of this one I don't know I think it maybe even was from like your Twitter just like updates like now suddenly I'm like okay dialed into the magical girl world I know what what shows are coming out so I was excited for it before it came out so once it came out I was already just like watching and into it and that's how I got into it and going back to like the debate on whether it's a magical girl show I think it's so funny because this show really is it transcends boundaries because I feel like it has so much of so many different anime genres and I've made like Venn diagrams before that have like four or five circles on it because it really is like part magical girl part sports anime because they're like competing to be who's going to be the best like mm-hmm. primaji star and also yeah idol anime because of course they're singing and dancing fashion anime because it's all about like clothes and outfits and brands well not so much focus on this one but you know they definitely it's a big part of the show. And then yeah. when with the arcade game that goes with it, you want to collect the different outfits to play. So it's like a big part of it. And Hobby Annie. So it has toys and things to collect from it. So I'm like, it's just all of it together. And I think that's why I love it too. It's not just like one specific thing. That's what makes it kind of fun to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really cute. And like, I love, I mean, yeah, with, with this franchise, it is like, the main kind of selling point is uh, the arcade game, as well as collecting the cards that you can get. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's the thing. If you are a fan of the series, you can get a Primaji cord book, and that would be, you know, getting all of your outfits together. They show in the story itself that, like, everyone has the same, like, the same access to the cards in, in the book. So, like, one character yeah. gets the outfit, but then they end up in everyone's books once they put them inside, which is such an interesting detail. Yeah. Very convenient for the the clip show episodes. But I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love how they have the actual same book. I mean, like how Pretty Cure has the same like transformation items too, but having the same book and the same cards, I feel like normally with the trading cards, you don't see it as much in anime, but like they have the cards and the books they can collect. So it seems so fun. Like I would love to be a little girl and be like, I want that same book, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I got this card from the arcade game, just like the show. And it's so beautiful. Like, you know, a lot of the cards for, for Japanese arcade games are very like detailed and have a lot of stuff going on. So they're fun to collect. Yeah. But for Watcha Primaji, especially like, for those of you that haven't seen it, they're like these long cards. They kind of remind me of Cloak cards from Cardcaptor Sakura, mm-hmm. like that long format. And they are see-through, but holographic. And they have gold, like intricate design frame all around. And then it has like the outfit piece in the middle. So like the top or the skirt or accessories or whatever. But it looks so gorgeous. Like those cards. I'm like, wow, that is the best looking like card for a game I've ever seen. So I'm like, <laughs> I would love to collect those. And the book is really pretty too. So I'm like, they did a great job on that. Yeah, definitely. The The designs are really stunning. And and just generally, all the fashion is so solid in this in this season. I can't really compare a lot to yeah. like, you know, what was going on with Pripara or Prechan because I haven't watched those seasons yet. I've only watched the, the Pretty Rhythm 
series early on. So there's a kind of a gap for me. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, you know, watching this show as it was airing was really exciting because I knew, oh, it's a new season. It's a new series. So I can get into it without having watched the rest of the pretty series. And this was my very first pretty series show, which is also funny, Ah. (laughs) like starting at the end. But the characters are all really unique. And then like, also, honestly, I think what's really important for an idol show like this, as opposed to like an idol show for an older audience where you hear all the songs, like maybe only once is that like, you know, you're mm-hmm. getting each character has one song. And so you're going to hear it over and over throughout the the series. And all of the songs in this series are so good. It's kind of absurd. They are so good. Yeah. Yes. And I didn't even realize till recently that Teddy Lloyd, like the famous anime song producer slash DJ who did the sound, the music for Panty and Stocking and a bunch of other shows, like he did some of the songs in the series. So I'm like, wow, like they really got like, you know, top talent to be in. And the voice actors are really good. The singing, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the songs are bops. They are amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I I have really enjoyed the the music for this particular season. And then like, I've listened to all the songs together like so many times. They're, they're great. A mm-hmm. lot of them are good workout songs. They're just generally good walking songs. It's just so fascinating because they incorporate so many different styles as well. Like each one... Their song really is part of like their whole aesthetic and they're all unique. The only thing is um, I like to go to karaoke and for some reason, quite a few of these songs are not available to sing yet. And I don't understand why, because it's oh, been no. so long. <laughs> yeah, they basically I think they only have like Matsuri song and then they also have some songs from the second oh. half of the show. But they don't have Hina's song, which is like my favorite. <gasps> yes, that's my favorite one. <laughs> it's very good. Um, they don't have Amane's song, which is like the best for my singing voice. Oh, no. So it's just like I'm demanding that they bring these oh, songs man. there. So yeah, yeah. But but yeah. So it, there's a really really strong aesthetic. And you know, speaking of of staff, we do have to shout out the series director is Junichi Sato, who is like a legend in Magical Girls since he was the director of the first season of Sailor Moon and the uh, first three seasons of Ojemajo Doremi and so, so, so many other Magical Girl shows. There's just like a lot going on with this particular show and and everything. Can I ask who your favorite character is of the the main five or even actually if there are any other characters? (laughs) Yeah. I think Miyamu has to be my favorite because she's just so, like you said, gremlin. She really is. And she, like, at, especially at the beginning of the show, she's very selfish. It's mm-hmm. so funny how she's just, like, so straightforward and blunt. And, like, you know, she doesn't care about anybody. And it's just so funny seeing her interactions with everybody like that. And then, of course, you know, you see her kind of evolve and, like, be a little more selfless as the show goes on. Yeah, But I just love yeah. her. It's She's so silly. And I do love that, like, how you mentioned all the characters have their own like specific styles and brands and songs because I feel like that's usually a selling point with like idol anime even just magical girl in general you know you always have like the main one that's kind of like cutesy but kind of like you know just generally girly and then you have a sporty one and then you have a more serious one or you know what have you but I feel like in this one specifically, they really went hard on giving each one like their clothes, their song, their personality stereotype to a T, but they did it in a way that doesn't seem cheesy or forced. Like that's just who mm-hmm. they are. And I really appreciate that. So like Hina, who's a sporty one, I love her too. And like, she's very confident, sometimes overconfident, but she's not like 
I'm just obsessed with sports and I like sports and that's me. And I don't like girly stuff because I'm sporty one, you know, which I feel like they do sometimes in the shows. But no, it's mm-hmm. like, she, yeah, she loves to work out, but she loves girly stuff. She has beautiful long hair. A lot of her outfits have pants, but it's still like she's not hiding from her femininity. She's just like, that's just who she is or like, mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Milky, Miruki, she, I love how she's like the kawaii one and she's like, oh, sweet and like cuddly and this cutesy persona. But inside, you know, she's like always has this inner monologue where she like hates everybody and she thinks she's the best and she's like so over it. And it's just so funny. Like they did a great job with like all of their character designs and personalities. So it is hard to choose a favorite, but yeah, I can't get over the little gremlin that is Miyamu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's really interesting with, you know, with the 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 magicists, the idols in in general and uh you can also use the term chutpi to refer to them because that's what the magic users call earthlings. Um mm-hmm. but they have this kind of thing usually speaking where like the persona that they have on stage doesn't necessarily always match their persona in their daily life. I mean, Lemon being the most obvious example of that, but like in general with with all of them, like there's this this sense of of who they are and something that like like they're not all like on the same page about, right? So so he knows yeah. a bit like very very clearly herself already. Like she knows what she wants and she is like very very determined to get it and her to the point where, you know, in an early episode, Miyamu, who at that time was not necessarily very connected to Matsuri yet, she was like, oh, bye Matsuri, I want to work with her, actually, because she's going to win. And, like, it was a really funny, weird episode. And, of course, this is, yes. you know, tragic for Chimumu as well. And it's just, like, this really fun kind of dynamic that we see throughout. And, like, yeah, Miyamu definitely has, like, the most, like, development in that way. You know, she when mm-hmm. she starts out, it's just, like, she chooses Matsuri because she sees the potential in her and she needs to find someone, right? Yeah. It's, she's not really attached to her. But throughout the show, like, she goes to live with her. And uh, Miyamu is the only one of the mascots who does have a human form throughout the show. Like, yeah. so she does have this kind of interesting leg up on, on the others who are all, like, very, very different mascots. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Chibu Moo's, like, this, like, turquoise hamster and is just very silly and, and has, like, sunglasses and stuff. <laughs> then we have uh, Hanitan, who is Milky's mascot, who seems to be in a suit, right? Like, a, a, a teddy bear suit with a zipper in the yeah. back. Sometimes when she's, like, really angry, because she does boss Milky around a little bit. She does sometimes threaten to unzip herself, <laughs> and Milky is very clearly afraid of what's inside. We yeah, never see like, what that is. It's just like, what's happening? What is that? But like, it's oh it's gosh. like this interesting mystery. It makes me think of like Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm just like, no, you don't have to take that <laughs> off. Like, I'm I'm already scared. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting mystery. Though, if you, yeah, they actually currently sell a giant Hanitan at the Prism Stone uh, shop in, in Tokyo where yeah there is a functioning <gasps> oh my gosh. zipper <laughs> but yeah Hanitan is interesting as well for, for that weird secretive reason <laughs> and then yeah for Lemon we have uh, Kyaron who her style is very interesting it like very much suits um, Lemon's like aesthetic which is like very gothic but of mm-hmm. course Lemon's whole thing, especially at the very beginning of the the show, is like, 
Lemon's like this huge nerd and is also mm-hmm. therefore very, very much a shut in. Like she has her group of friends, but she doesn't really have like any sense of like being able to speak to anyone else outside of her circle. And so it takes a while for her to like get the courage to finally perform. Like there are a few times where she at least gets booked a gig, but she still doesn't perform because she's just so shy that like ectoplasm mm-hmm. comes out of her body. <laughs> yeah, literally her soul leaves her body because she's so overwhelmed. So I'm like, same. I feel that. <laughs> yeah, she's very, very relatable character. Um, yeah. And so Kaodon, who see, knows her potential and everything, she's always working to try to to get her to, you know, come out of her shell, so to speak. Though not literally, please. Not that, not in that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so when she does finally get the courage to be herself and like uh, perform on stage, of course it does work out. But but it still takes her a lot of time to to kind of get used to that. And there's this kind of feeling that she has this like almost avatar personality on stage that doesn't match how she is in real life, which is yeah. fun for her. For Lemon, I feel like even though there's nothing in the show that specifically like alludes to this, but I feel like she might be neurodivergent or even a little bit autistic or something just because a lot of her traits, I feel like, kind of resonate with somebody like that. Like how she, you know, a lot of times in the social situations, she just doesn't know what to say or she'll like blurt out something and, you know, and they're like, you can't say that. Like, I forget. One time she said something to Miruki and it was just kind of like, oh, I can't believe you just said that out loud. And also how she's like really super into video games and she like knows everything about um, Primaji and she actually runs on her um, Pristagram that she like yeah. does kind of like reviews <laughs> and comments so everyone knows her like online persona. So I'm like, wow, she's just like us like online and blogging and stuff. Yes, yes. And so I kind of appreciate that, that she's kind of like very shy and reserved and gets like overwhelmed, but she's still able to like, you know, with the with the courage and power of friendship, she's able to work up the nerve to sing on stage. And then once she does, yeah, she unleashes this like beautiful, almost like rock persona character out there because mm-hmm. it's like what she really loves. And so I, I love that for her, just like that character development they get to see. Also with her bangs, like at the beginning, her bangs literally cover her face. Like she's like, (laughs) you can't even see her. She's so shy. She's like hiding behind her hair. But then as she works up her courage, you know, she decides, okay, I'm going for it and just cuts her hair and then cuts her bangs. You can see her face. And then finally she's like, she's still shy at times, but at least she's taking the next step towards like following her dream. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Matsuri is the most like she makes sense as the main character and the character that kind of ties the whole cast together mm-hmm. but Lemon I think is like definitely very relatable to a lot of the nerds watching the show mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and I love how she'll sometimes just speak in like video game speak and everyone's like what are you talking about <laughs> like when they're yeah, running yeah, yeah. and she's like tired she's like oh I ran out of HP or like I need more mana and they're just like huh <laughs> yes yes she's always thinking in terms of rpgs and she refers to everyone like uh using the honorific dono which is like for samurai which is like okay girl (laughs) she's a little (laughs) silly but but it's it's really fun to watch her Mm -hmm. be just exceptionally nerdy yes it's it's definitely a lot of fun and like you know it's it shows this idea of like well maybe other people can do the same thing like come out of their shell and and perform on stage um mm-hmm. she's definitely a lot of fun to see and then finally so Amane doesn't actually like really become part of the group until a little bit later mm-hmm. we get a lot more time spent with the other four for 
uh, most of the first half. But when Amine does finally appear and like join the group, she's she's like around, right? And Miyuki's like madly in love with her because like she's exactly yeah. her type, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because like especially in comparison to you know Precure being uh, the the other main like big show for kids. Um, the the subtext at least in this season is very strong <laughs> yes <laughs> and Midoki who's like type is just anyone handsome she's like always searching for for handsome people all the ikemen <laughs> yes yes <laughs> uh, so when she meets Amane she just like absolutely passes out uh, it's it's very interesting but no one's really like acknowledges the fact that it would be anything significant because Amane is is a girl but I think it's kind of neat. Yes. So just to point that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love how she's like the princely one, like very regal and very elegant. And yeah, like all the girls are swooning over her and she's always like partnered up with girls. Like even when it shows her at her school, like rehearsing for like a play or dancing or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. all the girls are fawning over her. And so it's like, same I get it like she's beautiful and yeah Miruki, <laughs> I, wasn't it at first she thought she's like who's this prince and like thought it was a guy and then she's like it's a girl but then that doesn't change anything she's still like yeah. oh, I'll do anything for you <laughs> yes yes it's it's really fun and very fascinating yeah it's interesting because um Hina is also very very popular with the girls at her school but it's like in a mm-hmm. different way I do think there's a lot of queer coding with Hina and then also with Hina and Amane in particular they read to me as like exes who are friends, like very strongly. Yeah. <laughs> but her her popularity is more like she's often referred to as like a bancho type and like she seems almost like a delinquent, but she isn't really. She just like mm-hmm. loves training and being strong and, and all of that. So, you know, the girls at her school look up to her for that. But it's very different from Amane's school. And, you know, when we do see her school and we see like the reason why she became a primagista in the first place is because, you know, she idolized her upperclassman, Midoriko, who is just like this incredibly gorgeous, beautiful, very, very feminine, very floral girl at school. You know, mm-hmm. it just became this thing where like she basically like told Amane to do this. And so she got into it because it's what someone else wanted. And so her journey is like, her trying to learn to do things for herself because Midoriko decided to quit doing it. Um, I guess there is a there is also an age limit as well with with being a primagista, so that is the other uh, factor. But you know, it's like she's trying to kind of redefine herself and everything. And so, like when she does perform for the first time, it's it's revealed like oh, she's doing a new song and everything. Mm-hmm. And her uh, mascot Patano is is just like also obsessed with her (laughs) yeah and she's so cute she's like this she's just this very very silly looking horse it's adorable yeah (laughs) yeah and like so sweet and it's so funny because like she's also kind of like clumsy and like like she stammers when she speaks and stuff whereas Amana is just like so elegant and put together and I kind of love that like all the partners are kind of like the opposite in a way of their of their partner yeah so it's like you know you get to see how they interact and then their their magical partners kind of keep them in check in a way. Like how Mirki's, every time she acts up, her partner's like, okay, now you have to write me an essay about what you did wrong. Like, like you have to reflect on this. And she's like, what? So it's, it, I love seeing the dynamic between the, the pairs. Mm, yeah, definitely. 
there it's it's definitely like unexpected from like what you might expect from from other shows or like other pretty series where you have that relationship between the mascot and the the idol mm-hmm. um, there's there's definitely more of like a, a partnership going on yeah that partnership is very important because that bond is part of their performance like it's literally you know how they how they connect to each other becomes very important on stage which is you know, especially the case between Matsuri and Miyamu, who, of course, are the main two that we spend the most time with in that regard throughout the show. They do have a, a performance and Hina wins. And so Matsuri therefore loses. And mm-hmm. Matsuri is like really, really heartbroken. And it's in that heartbreak that like Miyamu is so confused about what to do that like she turns into a cat who can't speak. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole episode about them like getting their bond back together so that like you know they can they can perform again and everything and it's like very very sweet the two of them yeah so yeah it's 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 a lot of fun <laughs> mm-hmm. that was my favorite episode i think i think that's my favorite episode of this whole like first half of the season is that mm-hmm. in the beginning matsuri's just she's a really big fan of all the idols and she wants to do it and it it will be fun so she's like okay and even when she runs into miyamu who's like okay, you're going to be my partner. We're going to do this. I can tell you have like, you know, you'll be good at this. So, okay, let's just do it. I just need somebody. And Matsuri is kind of like, what? Like, okay. But she's really like unsure. And then, and she doesn't even agree really right away. Cause she's like, you know, like, I don't know, like, what is my dream? I don't know if I can do this. But then she kind of like finds the confidence, like, okay, I want to do this. It is fun. But she's still just kind of doing it, you know, not really with like a goal in mind but then once Mm -hmm. she meets Hina who's like very competitive and Hina's whole thing is that she lost in the last championship to Jennifer who Jennifer won and that's why she's currently the top idol right now because she's like the current reigning champion Primaji superstar and so Hina got second place so she's like you know, next time I want to win. Like, I'm going to be the best. I know I can beat Jennifer. Mm -hmm. I want to do it. And I think in meeting her, that's when Matsuri's like, oh, you know, like, yeah, it is a competition kind of that we're all in together. So let me try it. And in that episode, that's when Hina and her have like a lot of interactions where she she's like, you'd have to try your best or else you're going to regret it. You know, if you're just doing it kind of like without focus and almost like what's the point, you know, and I think that's when Matsuri really becomes competitive for the first time. You see her like, okay, I do want to do this. I do want to win. And even though she does a good job, Hina ends up beating her and you see Matsuri just cry like she was just like crying and then yeah Miyamu's like um I don't know what to do about this like uh I was not prepared for this uh and I think Mm -hmm. that yeah so she turns into a cat she can't talk and I think because she just really they're they're not bonded at that point yet she doesn't know what to do and through that like her realizing that like she needs to be there for Matsuri as her partner not just like in terms of magic but also as a friend that's when they become actual friends and like then she turns she's able to turn back because she's like oh okay we're friends now and their their bond is strengthened but that that episode is just so good because you get to see like how the competition how it affects them and how yeah i don't know it's just a really good episode (laughs) yeah yeah definitely yeah it's episode 13 so it's kind of like right in the middle of, of the first half as well so it's a pretty mm-hmm. big one. I think it's really interesting how, obviously, Masu being the main character, we, we follow her 
story the most. But there's definitely this like kind of overlying thing of throughout the show we see, uh, especially during performance time, you know, there's a lot going on with this uh, group called the Omega Corporation. Mm-hmm. where like we see the, the the folks who are kind of behind the magic side of things also working with the human side of things to kind of like produce the performances and and all of that so there's this kind of underlying pressure to not just create a good performance but also like satisfy this corporation but at the same time these these kids are still kids so they have to like mm-hmm. kind of figure out how much is it uh, important to perform well Versus like, you know, being competitive versus like satisfying the the customers, I guess, is the main thing. Yeah. Or just like having fun with it or. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And what we learn around this time as well is like, you know, this is also the first time that she gets to uh, Matsu gets to meet Jennifer herself, who like Jennifer is always around and kind of like checking out what's going on. But she doesn't perform. She like is always kind of in the background and she never has any sort of like companion with her. She's just kind of like with the Omega Corporation. Mm -hmm. But when she approached Matsuri actually just before this episode, she had asked her before she performed, like, what what is your primaji? What does primaji mean to you? And it's this question that Chen is kind of like is going through her mind. But finally, Matsuri decides like her... Her dream for performing is that, you know, this, like, Primaji is this party, and it's a party that she wants to share with everyone, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. suiting her name. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so it's very interesting, and it's it's also very much against this, like, very competitive nature that we've had with Primaji, because, like, basically this, this kind of development of Wacha, this need to create this force, this energy, is, like, the real driving force behind any of this performance and so there is that kind of like yeah this like corporate mentality in in that sense like this like productivity and business thing going on Mm -hmm. which is interesting and almost a little dark as well yeah it's like once you like the girls are on stage and all these people are like cheering like woo, but then yeah right behind like these glass windows are like magic screens i don't know it's I, it's funny how they don't go into detail explaining how things work. Like you just know it's kind of magic, and you're it's like okay, like a, <laughs> a stage just pops up, they just tra- transform into their outfits. Okay, cool, it's magic, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and then you see like these people in suits like monitoring the performances, and just like Jennifer's there with them too. So you're like, okay, like there's more to this than just you know some girls singing and dancing on stage. <laughs> right, right, but. As far as the crowd is concerned, it's just a girl singing and dancing on stage, yeah. which is interesting, especially because they're unaware of the magic side of things. People who watch don't know that there is any magic involved, which is also fascinating. Yeah. And like the other um, pretty or at least like prepara and stuff, it seems a lot more just virtual or at least and I haven't seen all the other pretty series, but um, it seems like almost like an MMO or like a virtual reality type world. Once you go to like Prism Stone or like the pretty world, you know, you're transformed into almost like an avatar and then that's what performs and that's what people see. Like people in the real world see that like virtual little like live stream or that video or what have you. But in this Mm -hmm. one, yeah, it's like magic. So they're transported or like magic is being used to like put on this performance. But it's funny how it's still like, 
to the real world, it's like live streamed. So you see people watching it on their phones and stuff. So it's like, okay, it, you know, it's just technology. They're just like watching a live stream. But really, it's like all this crazy magic stuff. <laughs> and but everyone's like, okay, yeah, like, it's just like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's there's there's a lot that's mm-hmm. like, I, I again, I can't really say about those shows. But I, I guess it makes sense for like preach on that there would be kind of that like, virtual air to things. Yeah, I think it's really cool to see like how there's this idea of like what is perceived versus what is actually going on versus what is actually actually going on. It's like all different. But yeah, so after we get that, uh, you know, very touching time with uh, Miyamu and Matsuri, and then we also get, oh, we need to mention Toma. <laughs> Toma oh, yes. and also um, Huey, who are recurring characters that we kind of see hanging around. The boys. So, you know, in different various uh, scenes and stuff, we do see this guy who's kind of a little mysterious and hooded and, and with blue and, and pink hair kind of hanging around Toma and Toma is this guy who knows Matsuri well like it seems like they've known each other since they were kids and Mm -hmm. currently Toma actually is kind of an apprentice at uh, Matsuri's grandfather's shop so her grandfather makes candies and so he is training to become a candy maker with him and uh, in particular, they're always making cat-shaped candies, which Miyamu is a big fan yeah. of. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this this blue-haired guy keeps showing up uh, and just like kind of being like, "Hey, Toma, what's up? Let's uh, let's hang out." And Toma's like, "I don't know who you are, but okay." And like just kind of keeps yeah. letting it happen. And then we also see like a blue kind of wolf guy talking to Miyamu a lot. And so we learn eventually this is the same person. His name is Huey. Yeah, Huey is just another, you know, Primagista, like another user of, of magic from the magic world. But he seems to be in a bit more of a position of power because he's also, you know, talking to the folks of the Omega Corporation and, and so on. So there's like a lot of interesting um, kind of behind the scenes stuff going on. He seems to be very powerful as well. But, you know, he just starts like hanging out with Toma just like randomly and is like talking to him about his feelings for Matsuri because it seems like maybe Toma has a crush on her. It's not necessarily clear, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. Like Matsuri and Toma are definitely very important to each other, but for now they are their friends. And um, yeah, after we get to Amane's first uh, performance of The Secret Garden, we get this whole notion of uh, training camp for the five girls. So these five are like the, the current the top primagistas they there are other performers we don't see them right but we know that they technically exist um (laughs) (laughs) but these five being the very best they have been chosen to do this training camp so they have been moved to a separate home to all uh work and live together you know they take care of of cleaning and also they're feeding themselves also, there's going to be like camera drones, like televising everything. So it's a little yeah. bit of pressure for these kids. Suddenly, there's a reality show going on, I guess. Um, yeah, they're like thrown into like um, Big Brother or what is it, Full House. Like suddenly, they're just being live streamed 24-7, which it doesn't specify. Like, I'm sure there's times where they're not being filmed. But yes. all, it's like, okay, you guys are going to do this training camp. But by the way, you're living in this house. And by the way, it's going to be live streamed. And also, you guys have to cook and clean and do everything together. And everyone's going to see everything. <laughs> yes, yes. So they do specify that the cameras have been set up so that the mascots will not show up on camera. So they are mm-hmm. safe because they can't reveal that the magic world exists. That's kind of an issue. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's really it's really interesting. It's like this kind of mini arc in the second half of the show as the girls all at first just kind of work very independently and like train in their own way. So like, you know, mm-hmm. Hina's immediately like, oh, we don't have to do this particular training session. OK, I'm going to go to the gym and do weight training because that's like her main thing. Mm-hmm. And Amane is immediately like, oh, I'll be her lookout. OK, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just kind of goes off to do their own thing. But it's in episode 15 that, like, Lemon, being, again, like, irregularly outspoken, finally is, like, like she puts her foot down and says, no, we are doing this together because at the end of all this, they're going to perform together. And so it's this whole exciting thing about how they're going to eventually do this five-person performance and someone's going to be the center. So it's, like, a very big deal, you know, to have Mm -hmm. this whole team up and everything. So... You know, it's like very, um, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. So, so it's, it's, it's pretty big. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, going back to, to Toma and Howie and stuff and how Tomo's like training to be a candy maker under Matsuri's grandpa. So it shows Matsuri's house a lot. So like they're always there and her parents are there too. So she has her parents and her grandpa there. And I really appreciate that they show like her whole family. I feel like a lot of times in anime, a lot of the characters are like, oh, I live by myself, you know, like my parents are always working or they're gone. And I just live here. And so the main characters are a lot of times left to themselves. But I love that Matsuri has like not only her family and her neighbor, but like her parents are so supportive. So at the beginning of the show, when, you know, she's telling her parents that like she's thinking about joining and doing Primaji and Myamun also needs a place to stay. They're like, OK, if that's what you want to do, we'll support it. You know, we're here for you go for it and so I kind of love that and so when she does go away for the camp the training camp you know Matsuri's like I miss home like she gets homesick during the training camp because she's like oh you know I miss everybody at home but yeah they realize that they all have to work together to figure out what their performance is going to be because if they can't work together in this training camp how is their performance going to be in sync at all you know that's they have to figure it out and I love that Lemon put her foot down like okay, this is not working. We have to do something. She kind of like blows up at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Though uh, I do think it's important to specify with, with Matsui's family is she does live with her mother and her grandfather, but we don't meet her father for a while. He's off somewhere, but we don't know where. <laughs> it doesn't really get uh, brought up, but... Oh, that's right. It was her grandpa. Yeah, her grandfather looks very young, so I understand. But th- there's a, there's an easy confusion. <laughs> yeah, during the episode with Hina, her mom and grandpa, they were supporting her. But I was thinking it was a dad. But yeah, you're right. It was a grandpa. <laughs> but yeah, so they're, they are a very supportive family, you know. And th- they're always, like, open to, to accepting whatever, um, you know, she wants to try out, right? So mm-hmm. though the, the whole, like, having this sudden other kid Miyamu like come live with them is is a bit of a shock <laughs> it, it kind of happens very suddenly but otherwise yeah they're yeah, very accepting yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's it's very cute but yeah so we have like you know this kind of uh, mini arc with the girls all having different kind of struggles as they figure out what they want to do with their performance and kind of like developing their bonds with their mascots and their bonds with each other mm-hmm. it's very sweet and we also have this uh, mysterious character, uh, Undine, who is like kind of a, a goddess in a way. Like mm-hmm. with every performance, when the girls are getting their new outfits, their new cards, they're getting them from these fairies. And 
Oh, yes, the fairies. <laughs> yeah, the fairies are very cute. And then with the, uh, the the last performance that they did, you know, with Matsudi and, and Hina, they had the chance to get a, a much bigger uh, thing, which was the, uh, the Phoenix uh, element coordination. So they eventually, of course, Hina does win. So she has this uh, element card, uh, which is called Phoenix. It's very fiery, of course, and it suits her personality, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we kind of have this inkling, this understanding that there is this like kind of uh, even bigger level of, of outfit that the girls can get that are like these kind of like major elements and stuff. Yeah, because every time yeah. they perform, the little fairies, they're so cute. So like, they're like little baby fairy angel things. And so after the performance, they grant them a new outfit card and it depending on like the level of your performance and so sometimes yeah we learn that there's like these ultra rare elemental cards outfits that they can get in certain circumstances which is really cool and then again going back to like the real life thing it's like oh I want to collect that rare outfit from the show you know it's like oh I want to mm -hmm. I want to get the cards to see if I can get one of those too absolutely yeah there's there's a lot of uh excitement with the, the card collecting that they, they they make you really want those cards for sure <laughs> mm -hmm. it's a it's yeah. a lot of episodes for just a commercial and i'm here for it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it is we say the same thing like with precure precure is is mm -hmm. a is a very long-running toy commercial this is a commercial yep. for an arcade game slash a bunch of cards um and it works mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> So yeah, it's it's very interesting to see like them trying to to figure out what's going on there. And then in terms of bonding, there's also another big thing. We we kind of learn a little bit more about the various characters. So one thing that's really big in the case of Amane is that so there's this uh, magic rose called the True Rose, <laughs> which can make you tell the truth, and it's kind of like this interesting thing that everyone wants to get their hands on because they can hear someone tell the truth. It kind mm -hmm. of accidentally gets used on Amane, who then reveals that she doesn't like uh, Matsuri. Mm -hmm. I believe she says she hates her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor Matsuri is just like completely defeated after this because, you know, this this was like her telling the truth or whatever. Mm-hmm. It does get revealed that the thing is that, like, she's basically jealous of Matsuri's, like, love for Primaji and her passion and excitement for it mm -hmm. compared to her own self. But she doesn't really, really know why she's there. She's still kind of figuring out her reason for staying and everything. I feel like her whole arc is all about honesty and, like, being honest with herself and being honest with others. So, yeah, um, yeah. like, in the end, it, it is okay. Like, it's not like she, like, actually, like, actively despises Matsuri or anything. It's more of, like, just a, this jealousy or, uh, yeah. or something like, like having that. a hard time, yeah. like, with her own motivations for Primaji and seeing Matsuri and the others, like, having a big love for it and passion for it. And during that arc, we find out that Amane... Like, she seems so cool, calm, and collected, but inside she is really passionate and she is very emotional, but she just doesn't let it out. And so that's kind of her, like, being vulnerable and finally, like, you know, telling the truth. Um, and even though it's, like, harsh at first, then you realize why. Like, oh, she's holding in on these feelings and the girls, like, they kind of bond and, you know, she's able to be honest with them without the, the rose, but be honest with them and herself. And, like, you know, maybe she does, like, Primaji. Like, maybe she does want to do it for herself. She'll have to see because, yeah, like, she was 
not forced into it, but she was doing it to fulfill somebody else's wishes. And so now, you know, what does that mean for her? And you get to kind of see that journey for her, which is really nice. Because, yeah, she mm-hmm. came in a little bit later. So I liked seeing that arc. And poor Matsuri, yeah, she's so like, what do you mean? Like, she hates me. What? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very shocking, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, again, everyone idolizes Amane. She's kind of the the epitome of, like, what everyone longs for, basically. <laughs> yeah. And then I like also during the training camp, like uh, Miruki's arc is basically because she's like the cute one and everyone, you know, loves her because she's so kawaii and like cute and like her style is so very like Harajuku and everything. But, you know, inside she's like her personality almost doesn't match the outside. Like inside mm-hmm. she's very like bitter and she's very like self-centered and like kind of selfish too and during the training camp she doesn't want because since it's live stream she doesn't want the viewers to see her true self so she's always like anytime she lets it slip and she'll make like a snide comment or something her partner's like the cameras or somebody will be like the cameras are here she's like oh i mean um yeah i'm just so cute and silly oh ha 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 and so it's like um i'm really curious what the viewers see if anybody like change their opinion like um, mm-hmm. she's not my favorite anymore <laughs> or or what made the the edit for that live stream that would be funny to watch but mm-hmm. then you see her kind of like she's actually really responsible when it comes to like the household duties like the cooking and cleaning mm-hmm. we mentioned how she really loves Amane and it's like oh my prince are like like so handsome but then she walks in on the room that Amane and Hina picked out like at first they're like we claim this room and then they walk, the other girls walk in and it's like a mess. There's just, just like stuff yes. everywhere. And they're like, what? And it's like, they're not used to cleaning. I think, what was it? Amane had like servants or something like that or like people cleaning. And then Hina's like brother or something. They mentioned something like that family member cleans up. So they're not used to it. So they're just leaving their stuff everywhere. And Miruki's mm-hmm. just like, no, like we can't have this. We have to clean up. And same yeah. thing for the food. Like they're trying to figure out what to cook um Huey tells them like you guys have to work together for the meals like you can't just like make your own food you guys all have to work together kind of part of that bonding and at mm-hmm. first everyone's like struggling like what to make or not knowing how to do stuff right so Miruku's like let me see that and she like knows how to like cut up the whole fish and like prepare everything and everyone's like wow like they're very impressed and she's like oh um just kidding this knife is so heavy I don't know how to cut anything oh my gosh yeah <laughs> but it's like yeah. okay we we can see that like she so she's really very responsible but she puts on this like cutesy like innocent like dainty act mm-hmm. but she is very um what's the word self-sufficient you know yes yeah and she's she starts to kind of resent everyone a little bit for that where like she's mm-hmm. trying her best to like keep everything under control but then she kind of sees that, like, you know, it's very easy for others to take advantage of her for that reason. So it's it's a bit of a, a balancing act where she has to try to keep her cool while everyone is just, like, running around being like, oh, thanks for t- taking care of dinner. Okay, I don't have to worry about it. Bye. And it's like, yeah. wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be good to talk about uh, 17, which is the Chimumu episode where she is like, so, you know, throughout the training, there's this idea that like, oh, well, the, the girls are training, you know, their idols are training, but the mascots also need to be doing something. So they're all trying to figure out how they can help their particular two to like, you know, mm-hmm. train even harder and everything. 
And Chimamu, who has always been like, oh, Hina is so perfect and she can do no wrong. She's flawless. She's going to always win because she's so tough Mm -hmm. and like self-sufficient in that way in terms of her training. That like everyone's like, oh, okay, so you don't need to do anything is what you're saying. And Chimamu's like, wait, what? (laughs) And so she kind of has this uh, crisis where she's trying to figure out how she can help. And everything she seems to do, like, seems to like make things worse. To the point where, like, she was like, oh, you know, we, we have to make them shine even more. I'm going to turn Hina into gold. And yeah. Hina was like, oh, this is kind of neat, but my body's kind of heavy. Um, and yeah. It's just, like, very, very silly. But, like, so her muscle training was a bit too much that day. Um, but yeah. Yeah, basically everything seems to be a failure. And so she is just, like, really, you know, distraught about, like, how she doesn't seem to be able to, to help out in any way. And so when she tries to tell Hina that she wants to quit, Hina's like, okay, then I'm going to go perform now by myself with no help. So it's very interesting because it like shows, well, first that like, it's very dangerous for idols to do this because it's like not really possible to to handle the, the watcha collecting on your own mm-hmm. without a magister there. And then um, it shows Chimamu who's like, just so overtaken by her love for Hina that she is like, oh no, I have to help. I have to part uh, to participate in this performance. Yeah. So it's it's very very cute, very interesting. I love Hina for this because like in the beginning when Miyamu she goes up to ask her like, hey, can I be your partner instead? Hina's like, okay, sure. You know, like here's the papers. Let's just sign it. So she actually starts the process, and so Matsuri just has to sign the papers. But Matsuri's like, wait, what? Like are we really going through this? And Chimumu's like, Mm -hmm. so distraught, like, what do you mean? Like, you're just getting rid of me just like that. But I think Hina, you know, she really like pushes that like, okay, if you're gonna say that, you know, like, stay true to your word, or like, don't say things that you don't mean, like, if this is what you want to do, let's do it, you know, but everyone's like, wait a minute, you know, because most people would be like, no, 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 like, I don't want to do that, or don't do that. So same thing in this situation where Chimumu's like, okay, I guess she doesn't need me. And of course, Miyamu doesn't help. It's like, yeah, like, what are you even here for? <laughs> like, she doesn't need you. She's fine. Um, yeah. Hina's like, okay, I'll do it on my own then. And then that's when Chimumu realizes like, oh, wait, I am needed because how is she going to collect all the watcha? Like, you know, she can't do it alone. So I am needed in that way. So that mm-hmm. was a very sweet, like, bonding moment for them. Yes, yes, definitely. It does show, like, the importance of the mascots, but it's also, like, very important to see that, like, yeah, in this particular universe, the way that this whole thing works, it's like, oh, the idols literally cannot perform without the help of a magic assistant. It's mm-hmm. everyone is like worried for Hina's safety when she does this, which is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So then episode uh, 19 is very interesting because the girls get a day off from uh, training and because they can do anything they want. Matsuri asks if they can go to the magic world because Matsuri has had the chance by accident to go there before <laughs> in an earlier episode with Miyamu, but this time that she wants to like go for real and like actually get to explore what the magical world is. And though in the world of magic, like these idols are superstars, like unbelievably mm-hmm. so. And so, you know, they're trying to have like a regular day, but they end up having to do stuff like avoid paparazzi and get like (laughs) just completely um, crowded up by fans just everywhere. It's very, very interesting to see this kind of difference in how they're respected 
there. Yeah. It's a very interesting kind of like difference, kind of like a parasocial thing going on as well, because you have these characters like, you know, the way that they, they talk to her and the way that they uh, or to, to talk to everyone, really. And then like also the way that they kind of understand what's going on is very different from how they're treated by fans in the human world. Yeah, because in the human world, it seems like only the people close to them that know they're being idols and stuff really Mm -hmm. know the extent because, you know, they change their hair, clothes, everything. So I feel like most people, like, wouldn't really, like, recognize them or know them, like, outside of the performances, um, Mm. you know, outside of their personas on stage. But yeah, in the magical world, they're super huge celebrities. And I I love Lemon, too, because when they go to magical world, Lemon's like, oh my gosh, this is just like my game. Because it's like, you know, yes. the, uh, like this town, it's more like, um, just like, like RPG style little town. And she's like, oh my gosh, like, this is so amazing. I'm in like, what it, what was it called? Um, Dracula, Dracula Quest, Quest or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, it's just like Dracula Quest here. Yeah, it's definitely not anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's nerding out for like other reasons, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the way that like everyone responds to them and everything is so interesting. And like, there's this whole thing where, you know, they lose sight of Matsuri because, you know, these people had put her on this broomstick and they were like just saying, watcha, watcha, watcha over and over again. But that just produced so much magic that it sent her flying off <laughs> on the broomstick. And so, you know, everyone had to go find her. And she apparently crashed the broomstick. But she- yeah. She got found by this girl who was just singing her song. And so they spent this time together. When she explains what happened, like, everyone else was just upset that she would sing to one girl by herself, which was so interesting and, like, kind of selfish. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, this, uh, it turns out this day off had not actually been authorized, uh, I guess. So, um, the Omega Corporation is, like, running around, uh, in particular, like, Inori Omega. He's, like, running around the magic world trying to find the the primagistas too and mm. eventually does find them and and so when you know all of this stuff goes down Matsu's like okay well i'll perform for everyone i don't really mind and so yeah like inori's whole thing was he was searching for one of them so that they could have any performance at all <laughs> so so obviously that works out in the end but there's this like notion that like there are things that like people expect to happen that like the idols themselves don't seem to necessarily be aware of um, in terms of like the way things are, are going on the corporate side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then in episode 20, we have this very important, <laughs> very silly episode. It's time to choose. It's up to the f- five of them to choose who's going to be the center for their performance. The five mm-hmm. of them. It's a really like big chance to highlight yourself and really elevate yourself like in front of everyone else like it's obvious whoever's going to be the center is also going to be like the literal center of attention mm-hmm. so midugi has this plan that she has hashed out and printed and marked top secret mm-hmm. and everything and in her plan she does like one thing to just kind of like get in the good graces of each of the girls and it's like very silly because each of those things actually kind of depending on the thing might even go so far as to annoy the others but yeah it uh works out and Meanwhile, Miyama's like, this girl is being weird. Like, does no one else see this girl's being extra weird today? And yeah. like throughout the show, Miyamu and Milky, especially Bud Heads, I think because they have very similar personalities, mm-hmm. honestly. Miyamu's the the one who like is really uh good at seeing 
behind like Miyuki's actions and is always unafraid to like call her out. So in this case, you know, she's just like running around like, what is Milgi doing? Like, this is this is wild. And she finds the literal plans. It's very <laughs> funny. And so she like pretends to arrest her and then they have a trial. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. It's like it's just like the silliest of um, trials. And in the end, the girls are like, well, the one thing you did that was bad was that you told everyone that you baked these cookies, but you actually bought them from a shop. Yeah. Um, and then finally, like, and what they decided was like, well, she just worked really hard because she wants to be the center for this performance. And we honestly don't mind because she works really hard. So they don't change their mind about choosing her to be the center. But before they could get excited about that, um, especially in terms of like how this is going to be publicized and everything, Jennifer announces to the world that she is going to perform, which is, of course, a very big deal. Yeah. So, yeah. So episode 21, we see that like everyone is freaking out because Jennifer is going to perform for the first time in a very long time. Mm -hmm. Sorry to backtrack a little bit. In that episode we were talking about where... Matsuri gets competitive with Hina and they go against each other because the way it's set up to it's like um, there's different districts so all the whoever wants to like enter you sign up in your district and then whoever wins gets to move on so all of our main characters are like the winners of their respective like districts then they all got picked to go you know to the training camp and everything but in that episode where um, Matsuri and Hina got really competitive with each other that was the one right where Jennifer announces that she's dropping out of the competition or that she wasn't going to compete again in this year's competition and she had one last year and Hina got second place and so that was Hina's like driving force like I have to win this year to beat Jennifer and so Jennifer announced mm -hmm. that she was dropping out so Hina's like are you kidding me like that's that was my goal that was I had to beat her or at least see where I stand up against her you know that's what her training was for so now that Jennifer's dropping out she's like oh like kind of her world kind of shattered for a bit like what am I doing like what's the point of this and so she's mm -hmm. like really in her head before the performance and so that because Jennifer announced it literally right as they're like all about to go on like when they're all getting ready for the performance and so Hina like she ends up hurting her ankle when she's warming up and so Amane kind of notices and like hey are you okay and she's like I'm fine and she just kind of like pushes through it even though she's clearly like she's obviously hurt and so during her performance she does like some acrobatics but since her ankles hurt she can't do them right away and she they're the right way and she kind of like messes up but then like Chimumu calls out and she she realizes like oh and she like catches herself and fixes it and does a different move and everyone's like wow and that's how she ends up getting that like legendary phoenix element cord but still she even though she won she's still like okay but what good am i if i can't go against jennifer like that's you know what am i gonna do it doesn't matter if i just win like i have to beat her i have to she took away my chance of seeing if i can beat her after the training camp or while they're in the training camp, she announces she's going to have a performance. It's kind of like, huh? Like, because she was just saying like she was going to drop out and like she was that she was going to go overseas. But then suddenly she's performing again. So you're like, huh? And you still we still haven't seen any sort of like partner or anything. So it's kind of odd, just like out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Of course, most people are very excited about her performance, but, Mm -hmm. you know, in the case of of Hina, she's definitely feeling a bit mm, resentful about it. Mm-hmm. Miyuki is upset that like the news that she's going to become the center has been in- completely overshadowed by the <laughs> yeah. news of Jennifer performing. There's there's a lot of feelings going on, and then Jennifer joins the training camp for a day, yeah, and like works with everyone, and you know gets to like kind of just be normal for a little bit, and it seems to be you know just for her a really interesting experience getting to see the the young people in a way. But Ina definitely feels a lot of ways about it, especially just because it's like. Jennifer just showed up after not being around for ages and is just so flawless in her performance and everything. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Jennifer seems unsure about performing. Mm -hmm. And then also at this time, Matsuri starts to get this message from her charm, which she has. It's like this cat shaped charm, which has this like very sparkly kind of blue essence in it. We don't really know what it is, but a voice keeps calling to her from within that saying, please save Jennifer. And Mm -hmm. she doesn't know what this means, obviously. But yeah, Jennifer puts on this performance and it's, of course, very lavish and gorgeous and everything. It seems flawless. Everyone's a bit panicked about the fact that she doesn't have anyone to be her partner. But it seems the Omega Corporation has it under control as... You know, this one kind of background figure pushes some buttons and is able to help her create the illusion without any magic. It's a little concerning because, for one thing, the performance, as far as anyone else is concerned, looks great. But just like with Hina before, like, it seems like what Jennifer is doing is dangerous. Mm -hmm. On top of that, at the end of the performance, she's saying how she is not going to continue. And the head of the Omega Corporation is like, no, we're going to make this work. You're going to keep going. So it seems like she doesn't really have a lot of say in the matter. Yeah. And they do kind of mention that they're going to save, and I forget the name, but they say the name. So I'm assuming it's like her her magic partner that's gone because the Omega Corporation guy is like, oh, and we'll find a way to save them. But it's it's kind of mm-hmm, weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, what is going on? Like, who needs saving? Why... You know, yeah, so it's like, you feel bad for Jennifer because you're like, what is going on? And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's very odd. The superstar that seems like so perfect and amazing to everybody else to be going through all this stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, they do mention, um, yeah, he mentions uh, Ryume is is the character Mm -hmm. and how they're going to to save her. We don't know who Ryume is quite yet, but we can Mm -hmm. understand she's someone very important to her. It's like, whoa, mysterious and interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. With this performance having been so amazing, all five of the girls are, are feeling a lot of ways about it. And so 22, which is kind of mostly a, a, a clip show episode, to be honest, is still like an episode where the girls are all discussing in the guise of like them being on TV for a little bit, you know, discussing whose performances were best and why. And, mm-hmm. you know, seeing like all of that. And Miriki in particular, she has been feeling especially like very just. Dis- bad about everything that has happened yeah she thinks like wow this is amazing how am i going to compete do i have what it takes to be the center for this performance and so kind of in this weird way in front of everyone she says she's going to pull out of being the center and Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of panicking behind the scenes cameras come back on and they try to kind of avoid the subject for a bit but then masuri gets the idea why don't we all be the center? So there doesn't yeah. have to be focus on one particular performance. Like 
we all get eagle performance time and everything. And, yeah. you know, it seems a little odd and, you know, a little bit like controversial, but everyone is kind of, uh, you know, interested in the idea. So they move forward with that mm-hmm. in mind. And you can see it during the training, too, when they're like trying to choreograph and practice this dance all together. There's certain parts like there's like a jump and like Hina can jump so high and Amana can pretty much keep up with her. But everyone else is like really struggling because they're not as athletic. So it's like they're like, oh, can you tone down your jump for the rest of us? We have to all be even. And then, you know, after a while, Hina's like, why do I have to kind of tone myself down for you guys you know at first she agrees but then she feels bad like you know i don't want to dull my shine for this performance and everyone kind of feels that way in certain aspects so i think that's also why matsuri is like she kind of notices that they all have different strengths and so it's like why don't we all be the center and like have our time to shine but you know er miruki and everyone's like well how's it gonna work (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so Undine, who again has been kind of the the main like trainer for them for this whole um, training camp, she hits that what they have to connect is more than just their dance moves, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's a bit more to it than that. And in particular, this episode has been a lot about a lot about Lemon, who feels like you know, in terms of her her physical capabilities, she's not as strong as the others. So training is not as good for her. So she feels like she's kind of holding everyone back. So Mm -hmm. she's working extra hard, which is like kind of wearing her out physically. And everyone's like, you don't have to go through all that. It's fine. They end up going through their training to the very top of the mountain that's nearby. And, you know, having this really nice time with everyone and they kind of all share their feelings. And that's when they realize, well, they all feel the same way about Primaji. So that's really what they have to connect, not their dance moves. They have to, you know, bind their hearts together. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's this like really cool thing. And they're they're also reflecting on what they've learned from training camp. Mm-hmm. And so it's with that that they finally have the connection, the bond together that they need to try performing their song together. So we get their song, which is, you know, also very fun and silly. They're, they have this, like, a marching band thing going on with their yes, outfits. <laughs> I love those outfits so much. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's very much a, a party, yeah. Yeah, and also, like, you see at that point, the mascots finally bond as well, because, yeah, they're also mm-hmm. trying to figure out, like, you know, we want our partner to shine. Obviously, they each feel like their own partner is the best one, but it's like, no, they have to work together, and they have to work together behind the scenes, like, collecting the wacha and supporting them, too. And during that final, like, test up the mountain, which is kind of like their final, like, challenge or final exam, I think it was called, it gets dark on them all. And they can't see. And so the mascots try using their magic to, like, you know, light it up. But they can't because the mountain just sucks up all the the watcha, all the magic. But then once they combine their powers, then they can light up the way for the girls. So then it's kind of like, oh, like that, you know, that was their moment of all the mascots. Like, okay, they finally were able to, like, stop arguing and all work together to support each other and support the idols. Yes, yes. It's really, really sweet to see them work together and they, you know, do this performance. Indina creates this massive illusion of a stage for them, which is fun. Mm-hmm. And they perform together and it's like very, very sweet and very fun. And we see in the song that, yeah, they each have a little bit of solo time. They have a line, but they don't 
uh, no one is definitely like the center at all. And it, it's just like really fun and, and, and cool to see that. And this was kind of done like in secret. So when it's time to for the actual performance, the actual exhibition on in the next episode, the Omega Corporation, um, Achiko was really not pleased with this notion that there is no center because everyone yeah. is the center. He is very much insisting that like what the fans want is competition and rivalry. So how are they going to be able to do this? Like, you know, that they're not going to be pleased. And everyone's like, mm, why don't you give it a try? Let's let them do it, do this and see what, what happens. Yeah. And I thought that was funny yeah. because right before they had picked or like when they were trying to figure out who was going to be the center at first, wasn't there like a fan vote, like the people watching the live stream, there was like a fan vote who they wanted to be the center. And it was like an even split, like all the votes came in even for all the girls. So it's like, okay, that didn't yeah. help. But it just goes to show like, no, the fans like all of them, they want to see all of them perform like that. So I thought that was funny when he was like, no, the fans don't want that they want someone to be the center, they want, you know, someone to be in the main part. But I'm like, no, they don't. Like That's what you want. But the fans don't want that. They voted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So in his mind, the competitive nature of the show is one way. But then when you look at the the way that the the witches and wizards or what have you, their mm -hmm. reaction to this news is like, oh, it's like how it used to be like with the performances. Mm -hmm. This is what Primaji was originally. Mm -hmm. So there's this interesting notion of like what used to be and what things are now and like what has changed and why has it changed you know there are a lot of questions there but the performance is a huge success and they've never seen so much watcha before it's like amazing mm -hmm. and uh, Chico is like very frustrated that this actually worked and he was proven wrong oh I should also mention that before the performance they also broke another rule by interacting with the fans outside oh. of the that, yes <laughs> which is really interesting because like they're not supposed to interact with fans like on an individual basis but mm -hmm. just for this special event they decided to transform into <laughs> just like a t-shirt and stuff like it's a very very casual look for all of them but yeah but the, their hair and makeup is flawless of course but you know they go and they actually interact with all their fans each of them do different things with their fans so like I love it. Amana's thing is like, I I'm going to hug everyone. And everyone's like, oh, like I want a ah, hug from Amane. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. It's very silly. Was that the one where um where Hina showed her abs or was that a different time? Yes. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Hina did show her abs. Yes. That was really funny. So yeah, just like a lot of silliness like that. And so we see like them like really on an individual basis actually interact with their fans before the performance. So that seems to also have amplified the watch of power and, mm -hmm. and um, everyone's like wow you know we've never sold so much merch you know everything yeah. like there's there's all this corporate stuff and Achiko's like grumbling like okay fine this this worked out this time but yeah we'll see and then this character who we have seen kind of like around in the background and has spoken on occasion like wearing this hoodie and mask she's like very mysterious she finally at the very end of episode 24 she decides to like reveal herself she she gets out of her her kind of cool little hovering chair she comes out of the darkness basically mm -hmm. and she approaches the girls and says hi i'm Aoru and i am the best primagista i'm i'm going to be number one like i'm it's already decided yeah and that's how the first half of the show ends yeah <laughs> it's like really interesting 
So yeah. you're left kind of like, okay, like who is this new mysterious person? What is going on behind the scenes with Omega Corp? What's going on with Jennifer? Who is mm-hmm. speaking to Matsuri and her little like hair clip thing? Like so many questions. I think that's why I love the show. There's just like a lot going on, mm-hmm. but it all kind of makes sense. It doesn't seem like too forced or out of nowhere. It kind of, it's just really enjoyable to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Like everything is very, you know, interconnected in a way and they really reveal a lot and then also give you a lot of questions to ask throughout the yeah. first half of the show. So it's really cool to see where things go from here, but they've already gone through so much character development and everything in this first half. So it's really, really exciting <laughs> and really interesting. Yeah. Oh, and behind the scenes um, with all the Megacorp people and especially with that new character, Audu, um, you see this girl with like just brown hair and glasses. Her name is Megani. And in all the Prepara and Prechan series, they have Megani and Megane and they're like, the just glasses characters and they're like this mm-hmm. they're like npcs basically and they're like it's almost like you know in pokemon when there's like nurse joy and officer jenny how it's like the same one but they're like oh no that's my cousin who looks exactly like me but you're like huh you're no you guys are like the same person it's kind of like that they're like the npcs that help everybody in like the pre-power world or prism stone world and like help you get your costume or get signed up and i just love that they're still in this show too so it's like okay it's still a pretty serious show we have all of our glasses characters here okay good <laughs> yes yes it is an important aspect <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we we get more with that character as well in the second half it's very fascinating oh exciting but yeah i guess before we finish up i think hmm so we do need to talk about like problematic aspects of the show. And I think all things considered, I don't think there's a whole lot that needs to be addressed. I don't know if anything stood out to you. Yeah, I don't think so. I was trying to think if there was anything really. And I feel like this show did a really good job at like showcasing anytime it does show something like bad or something that could have a negative impact on like a viewer like a young kid or like a young girl watching it they show like why it's bad or what could happen or the consequence of it like um you know like with when Mirki she when she's trying to be like manipulative or trying to like get her way you know you see things kind of backfire and you see people bring it up in an honest way like why are you doing that or like you know, like, it's okay if you're, if you want this, you can just say it. You don't have to, like, do all this, you know, other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's, it did a really good job. Yeah, considering it is a show for, like, young kids. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I think, generally speaking, I couldn't think of anything as well. I did actually want to point out kind of on the, on the opposite end, like, kind of super positive, something that you to bring up that's important is um you know jennifer is puerto rican and japanese uh, yes <laughs> yeah she you know she's the main superstar and she's also like got brown skin and she's like she's a top idol and i i love that fact about her so much the fact that like she is the one that everyone looks up to and everything and like her being from puerto rico isn't really like it's not really like discussed much or anything but like mm-hmm. she does bring it up on occasion right it does make things interesting in that like she uses a lot of English and um, it's like, well, if she's from Puerto Rico, then I would expect her to use more Spanish than English. So it it could have been an interesting opportunity to show that. Also um, when she does come to the training camp, she uh, 
tries to cook for everyone <laughs> and she's really not good at it and I cannot figure out what she was trying to make to be perfectly honest but that would have also been a really good uh, opportunity to like you know for one thing I think she should have been good at cooking but also yeah she could have tried making some Puerto Rican dishes I feel like because yeah. Puerto Rican food is awesome and um, more Japanese people should know about it so I don't know yeah, I think that maybe that's what she was trying to do. But since maybe she since she's been away from Puerto Rico so long, maybe she couldn't remember, yeah. couldn't do it. So it kind of backfired. And that was a nice moment, too, because you got to see Jennifer, like, being normal for once, like something she's yeah. not good at. Because, yeah, like when she came in, like, she was amazing at singing, amazing at dancing, amazing at everything. So everyone's like, wow, like, no wonder she's a superstar. No wonder she's a winner. But then she, like, burns the food, like, messes it up. Everyone just kind of laughs and she laughs too. Just like, okay, like, you know, maybe she's not amazing at everything, but that made her just more relatable, more human, which was nice. But I do, yeah, I do wish that she threw in some Spanish in there. Maybe she, yeah, I don't know. That, w- that would have been a good moment. But yeah, I do love that she. we have a little bit of diversity here, like some more tan skin, mm-hmm. you know, some a Latin person there. Like, um, there could be more, but I mean, it. you know, I'll take what we can get right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 exactly like it's there could be chances for for more there mm-hmm. i think for the first half i couldn't think of anything else in terms of um uh like anything like like really problematic oh i do want to point out i don't really know how to feel about it but undine like in her kind of hu- human form i guess she's a goddess right even mm-hmm. when her in her human form she has like hair that's different kinds of blues and stuff she's got this whole thing about cowboys though yeah that it's kind of weird so like she makes lots of jokes about the kind of top of everything is like a 10 gallon hat and so she'll throw around different gallon hats uh, or whatever Mm -hmm. it's it's like a whole thing it doesn't quite make sense if you actually know what that's about and then she also uses the word ole a lot yeah i don't know what's going on there and it's kind of weird so i just want to know to acknowledge that that's weird and i don't know what they were thinking or what they, what, what they were doing with that yeah yeah i guess that would be a, a like a problematic thing like she's she's a water spirit goddess magic user thing uh, but then she's also like a cowboy like a cowgirl but then she, yeah, saying Olay and stuff. And it's like that cowboys don't say that. Like, if anything, I feel like if Jennifer would have said Olay, it wouldn't be, have been quite accurate. But at least it's like, okay, there would be an attempt. But I'm like, right. for, the, for the cowboy <laughs> one, like, what? Also, the she's like the water spirit. And the phoenix, like the fire spirit, was more like a like an actual bird phoenix. And they, they mm-hmm. could speak as well. But like, they're more of like a creature. Whereas Undine, she's just like this beautiful lady so I'm like huh but I'm wondering it like does she just make herself look like that because she wants to be because when you when we first see her she disguises herself like a ugly old hag witch looking thing and then she's like oh Mm -hmm. surprise it's actually me so I'm like I wonder if she's just choosing that form like she just wants to be a a cowgirl lady (laughs) yeah it's I don't know what's going on there but it just feels like you have to acknowledge it like I this is a thing that's that's in the show that you need to be yeah. aware of because it's just confusing <laughs> it's yeah. A choice. yeah yeah but awesome so I guess is there anything else you wanted to talk about in general about Primaji um 
Oh, the the phone game, the app game that just came out for Idol Land, Prepara, um, and for mm-hmm. like all the pretty series games. I hope the show will continue. I hope they make, you know, more of it or like maybe even another iteration. But I love the world and the stories and characters they have for Primaji. So I would really love it to continue. But I'm wondering if maybe because they put all their focus on making the app. So now you can play um, Prepara on your phone and it's also available like worldwide. But the response has been so crazy. Like you could pre-save the app and I don't know how many people pre-saved it because the day it came out, like I could not get into it at all. Like everyone, if you look on Twitter or formerly known as Twitter, everyone was just like, I can't get in. Like the the servers are overloaded and they had to keep doing maintenance because it was just like overwhelming. And even then, like they would only let a few users, users at a time. So every time I try to log in, I couldn't play for like a whole day or two. I'm like... I just want to like play the little songs and get outfits. Like, what is this? So I had to wait. And yeah. so I feel like the response was kind of crazy, like more than they were expecting, I'm thinking. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if maybe because it, like they were so focused on this game and it got delayed so many times as well. So maybe now that it's out and a lot of people are playing it, maybe they'll see like, okay, there is like a market for more of this. Maybe we can make more. And especially, yeah, they got so much good talent on this show like the writing is great the animation is great the songs are amazing so I'm hoping for more Mm -hmm. because I really love it (laughs) yeah well so we only talked about the first half of course and there is another half right Mm -hmm. um so there's still a lot more story to go and then after that they did announce Wajit Primaji Studio which is the the newer arcade game and so in the arcade game world, the story is technically continuing in a way, right? There's mm-hmm. more lore in there and there are more songs as well in the game and, and all of that. So they're still kind of continuing the brand of Primagia. When you go to the Prism Stone now, like the the actual shop um, mm-hmm. in Tokyo, they have like 99% Primaji stuff in there. Like there's some other, you know, there's a little bit of Prechan, there's a little bit of Prepara, but it's still mostly Primaji. I know with Prepara there's also the the Idoland Prepara animated series. So the mm. animated series is um slowly working on it. I know we got the preview recently for episode six. Mm-hmm. I really don't understand what's going on here that that is taking so long as well. So yeah. it's really hard to see what their intention is with this entire franchise. It's clear they don't want it to die, right? They're trying to push it along. And I think one of the things that's, um, and we've we've brought this up before in other shows, just talking about idols and magical idols and everything, is um, that idols as a trend for children really has its ups and downs. And so Mm -hmm. I think currently we're in a down stage where the reason why this franchise is kind of still able to keep afloat is because it is a series it is a franchise that explicitly appeals to both children and adults yeah so it's the adult side of things that is keeping things afloat yeah i don't know what to expect moving forward but it's clear that like for whatever reason kids are not feeling idols right now so you know we'll we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah i'm wondering though if it will you know if this series will get more popular soon because right now how vtubers are like really big right now and this series like it kind of plays into that where they have this like persona and they talk about live streaming and the performances so i'm wondering if maybe like you know if this starts getting 
more interest if it will get more popular because I feel like that's you know idols are kind of on the decline right now but VTubers are like really huge so maybe you know it'll get more popular and yeah I don't know why they kind of split it in like for the pretty series they came out with Watcha Primaji but then they were working on Idol Land Prepara that kind of follows the other Prepara series that had been going it's like kind of a sequel to that but Primaji was its own thing so the, I don't know why they kind of did separate things and yeah so I'm I'm like really interested to see where things go from here because they kind of it's kind of all over the place right now but I'm it does seem like they're preparing for more because they've put in so much effort and like that making the app game and these series have been like really great so hopefully we'll get more soon but um yeah we'll see <laughs> Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. There's there's nothing else we can do really. Yeah. Yeah, but but it seems like the the game itself is is still, you know, going strong, so we can at least depend on that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so Rosie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk to me about this franchise. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're down to the final question, which is, um, have you ever imagined a persona, a magical persona for yourself? Okay, so this is a tough question for me. <laughs> like, I, I try <laughs> to imagine it, but I feel like, I don't know. I know that if I were to be like a magical girl, I would probably be a leader of a group because like whenever, for everything, like I just... I tend to drag my friends into whatever I'm doing. So like when I started cosplaying, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Everybody needs to do it. So like I made all my friends get into cosplay and we all like went to conventions together and we would do skits, like we would perform skits. And that was like my favorite thing to do at conventions was just like perform on stage and do little silly little like skits in our costumes. Um, I think that's why I love this series so much because like the performance aspect I really resonate with. Um, and so, yeah, like, mm -hmm. I would probably be a leader and, like, get all my friends involved. Um, I know I would probably be, like, bluish or tealish, maybe, like, an aqua blue type color. Because that's, um, like, I've cosplayed as Mint from Tokyo Mew Mew, Cure Mint from um, Yes Go Go. I started working on uh, Hanon cosplay from Mermaid Melody a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And then I did Cure La Mer. So, as you can see, I like the bluish, greenish ones. <laughs> So, and I cosplayed as Sailor Mercury a long time ago, too, and um, a bunch of other Sailor Moon costumes. But yeah, so like that type of color scheme, as far as everything else, um, oh, and probably cat, like something cat themed, similar to Cure Gelato, but not like a lion, like, um, you know, something cat themed. But yeah, that's as far as I got, because I don't know what else. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, yeah, thank you again for coming on. So where can people find you and follow you online to talk to you about Watcha Primaji and other magical girls? Yeah, um, I am Rosie Gaga on pretty much everything. So R-O-S-I-E-G-A-G-A. -G -A. So that's me on um, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, I have a Facebook page, but I haven't updated it in forever. <laughs> and I post all my cosplays all around. So if you guys want to see my costumes or, and just talk magical girl stuff or anything or sync right now since they're back. And that's so like all the I idol stuff, fangirl. I'm probably like emitting so much watcha right now. 
<laughs> from NSYNC being back. So I'm like, I am, it's probably off the charts. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. that's, that's Ooh, where to find me. <laughs> trying to imagine them being idols in this world. What would they look like? What would their mascots be like? <laughs> oh my gosh. JC would be a lion. He used to always wear a lion necklace. Okay, oh, I'm going to stop true, now yeah. before I get too much into like NSYNC <laughs> lore. This has gone on for a while. So um, yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. It was really fun. I'm sorry for yeah. jumping around all over the place, but I'm just very oh, no, no. excited about the show <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank awesome. you yeah so yeah thank you again and i hope you have a good rest of your day thank you you too bye-bye whether this was your first or last time listening, thank you so much for checking out this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. We hope you check out the rest of our chats, over two years of magical content and counting. And if you like what you heard, tell a friend or tell five friends or tell the whole world by talking about us online. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag Sparkle Side Chats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Did you know we also take recommendations for future guests and topics? Just fill out the form in the show notes. You can even suggest yourself if you're so bold. The very best free way to support the podcast is using your podcast platform to give a rating and review of our little show. This gives the big internet machines the message that they should share it with more people, and I think we all want that, don't we? You can also join the Discord server for this podcast to talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. The forever link is in the show notes as well as on the socials, so be sure to stop by. Show notes can be found on your podcast platform of choice or at our main landing page at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you have a few bucks, you can give a one-time donation at ko-fi.com or ko-fi.com slash You can also commit to a monthly membership, which grants you access to bonus episodes about Magical Girls and adjacent content such as movies, comics, and other series that Magical Girl fans tend to also love. All it takes is $5 a month, but if you want to rank up, that'll give you discounts on art commissions and monthly requests as well. Music credits, as always, are also in the show notes. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at A Few Bruises. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical forever and always. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>